Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. In his classic work, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis wrote that God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Here's a question I've been wrestling with lately. During times of pain and suffering, is it God that is speaking louder or is it us that are more willing to listen? What's usually the first question we ask when suffering a great loss or going through a painful circumstance? You know, the first question is almost always, why? Why did God allow this? Why is this happening to me or us? That's always usually the first question that we start to ask. Uh, Abdu Murray, who was a Christian apologist and co-wrote the book, Seeing Jesus from the East with Ravi Zacharias, uh, he writes this, What's fascinating is that we seldom ask why. In our uh, pleasures or successes, yes, we may marvel occasionally at our fortune, but we seldom try to understand how our pleasure fits into some grand plan. For some reason, we passively accept blessings, but struggle to make our sufferings mean something. Pain has a way of amplifying our awareness better than perhaps anything else. Isn't that so true? Pain, not pleasure, makes us wonder why and ask questions and become reflective. Last week, we talked about Hannah, the mother of the great prophet Samuel, and how much she went through as she was struggling with her barrenness until finally God answered her prayer with a son. And, uh, you know, I haven't been able to get her out of my mind this week, and so I want to preach about her story or a piece of her story again today. And so we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 3 through 6, and they should be the verses should be up on the screen for you to read along. And it says this, Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. Verse 5. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Has God ever closed your womb? Some of you might be thinking, I'm a man, I don't have a womb to close. Uh, for some of you, this might take a literal meaning because you have been praying and praying and asking God to get pregnant, and it hasn't happened yet. But for most of us, this takes on a more figurative or metaphorical meaning. Closing the womb represents a time when God's answer to something we really, really wanted and thought we needed was met with silence. Closing the womb represents a time when God's answer to something we asked him for was no. Closing the womb represents a time when things dried up in our business or workplace and we were laid off or the business was shut down, which relates to about 40 million Americans right now. Closing the womb might mean for you a prolonged season of waiting for the one to come into your life. Barrenness 
is a very tough pill to swallow because it's connected to our identity. Barrenness makes us feel as if there's something wrong with us. Barrenness makes us feel like we're not good enough. And that is why it's so difficult when we go through a prolonged season of barrenness or if you are literally uh, barren and you're, and, you're, and you're pleading with God for a child, it's very difficult because it's intricately connected to your identity as a woman, as a person, uh, as a human being. I've told this story before, but when I was re-diagnosed with cancer back in the summer of 2016, I believed with all of my heart that God was going to miraculously heal me. We, uh, we had tons and tons of people praying, and Priscilla and my faith was focused on this healing. But unfortunately, uh, as much as we prayed, as much as we believed, as much as we declared, it, it didn't happen that way. And, I, and there, I found myself many times asking why. Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing me, you know, especially as I was going through chemotherapy and getting sicker and sicker, and we, and we launched our, our church at the same time, and we're trying to keep that afloat. There were many times where I asked God, why? Why did you allow this to happen to me? Why did you allow this to happen to me at this moment? In many ways, um, I could relate to Hannah in, in the sense that I prayed and prayed, and that, 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 that prayer uh, you know, was met with silence. Um, and and, and you know, thank God I'm cancer-free now, but it didn't happen the way I expected it to happen. It happened through chemotherapy. And thank God for that. Thank God for chemotherapy, but, uh, uh, but it didn't happen the way I was expecting and praying. And uh, I struggled with discouragement at times. And I, and I struggled asking the same questions that you ask when you go through a prolonged season of struggle. The author of this passage that I just read in 1 Samuel 1, which may have been Samuel himself, mentions twice back to back that God closed Hannah's womb. Um, if something is mentioned twice in scripture, it, it means that the author thought it was really, really important and God wanted us to really understand it. And that is why it's mentioned twice. This is difficult for us to receive in our Western minds because in our shallow view of God, we tend to only connect blessings with God in the sense that he does whatever I want, whenever I want. That's, that's, where, uh, that's how we view God. That's how we view his purpose in our lives, that he's there to answer our prayers in the timing that we want him to answer them. We fail to connect God with suffering, barrenness, or pain. We saw in the story of Peter walking on water two weeks ago, that the disciples, being in the will of God, sent them in a boat to cross the lake where they met a storm where the winds and the waves were crashing and they were fighting for their lives. We, we, we realized from that story that God's will is not always comfortable. It's not always fun and it's not always pleasurable. Uh, God, you know, like I said, God's will sent the disciples into the storm. And we're going to see this week, or we saw this week from the passage that we just read, that God, not the devil, is the one that closed Hannah's womb and caused her to be barren. So that begs the question, why does God close our womb? Why does God close our womb? 
I have three reasons from the Word of God that God closes or our womb. Or in other words, uh, it, it, you know, our prayer is answered with silence or our prayer is answered with a no or, or he allows something to dry up in our lives. So I'm going to share one of those reasons today and then we're going to share the other two next week. So why does God close our womb? God closes the womb because of sinful disobedience. God closes the womb sometimes because of sinful disobedience. Think about the Israelites after they were delivered from slavery in Egypt from the hands of Pharaoh. The, the, the Israelites, they were in slavery for over 400 years, and Moses came and told Pharaoh to let my people go, and, and, and God sent 10 uh, plagues, and finally Pharaoh said, go. And, and so uh, as the Israelites were leaving Egypt, uh, God parted the Red Sea, and, the, and a million Israelites walked through, and then the Egyptians started walking through in pursuit of them because they wanted to bring them back to Egypt. And God caused the Red Sea to crash on them, drowning all of them. And, and, and so after this happens, they start their journey to the promised land. And that's when the wheels fall off the wagon. Three days into the journey, three days, the Israelites start grumbling and complaining for water. Throughout the wilderness journey, they grumble, complain, and they even worship idols. They complained that there was no food, so God sent manna from heaven. They complained about the manna, God sent quail. They grumbled against Moses' leadership and revolted and rebelled against him. Because they wouldn't trust God to take them into the promised land, and because of their constant grumbling and complaining, God allowed the Israelites to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that first generation of Israelites they all died off and their children and grandchildren could then enter in to the promised land. The promise of entering the promised land closed up because of their constant grumbling and complaining and their disobedience to God. Church, there may be some promised lands that are closing up in our lives because we can't control our mouths. Can I get an amen? We slander leadership that we disagree with. We backbite our friends. We gossip about one another. We start rumors about people that we don't like. We're constantly complaining about what we don't have and about what others do have. We grumble uh, about the things God has actually given to us as if they weren't good enough for us. These sinful attitudes and actions have consequences. Think about King Saul, who was the first king of Israel. God spoke through the prophet Samuel for King Saul to completely destroy the Amalekites and everything they own, all of the livestock, everything, destroy it all. Don't take anything. Don't leave anything. Destroy all of it because they had attacked the Israelites as they were in the wilderness on their way to Israel. The Amalekites attacked them. So God was exacting judgment on them for what they had done, just like he had promised because God is not a man that he would lie. But look what Saul did in 1 Samuel 15, 9. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Saul didn't do 
what God asked him to do. Point blank. Very simple. God, Saul did not do what God asked him to do. He spared the king and the best of the livestock to have for himself and his people. But this was not what God told him to do. Saul took matters into his own hands and did what was right in his eyes. He mistook God's command for a suggestion and had to pay the price for it. 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23 says this, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. God closed Saul's womb in the form of taking his kingdom away from his lineage, and he gave his kingdom over to David and his family. And oh, by the way, Jesus actually came from David's lineage. For some of us watching today, maybe there's been some closed doors, missed opportunities, or severed relationships, not because God is mad at you or because the devil is attacking you, but because there's sin in your life that you're refusing to deal with. We can't live for our own pleasure and disregard God's word and expect God's blessing over everything that we do. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't work like that. God doesn't breathe on things that are contrary to his word or character. He just doesn't do that. You know, I know someone whose business uh, had to close simply because they mistreated their customers. Uh, it, they had a great product, they had a great location, they had a great building, but they didn't treat their customers right. And when you're in service, it doesn't matter how good your product is, it doesn't matter how grand your building is, it doesn't matter how excellent your location is, if you don't treat your people right, they're not going to come back. Okay? That has nothing to do with the devil, that has to do with your character. Maybe you've left a trail of severed relationships because you talk about them behind their back and they find out. People don't want to be around you if you talk behind their back. Okay? Maybe opportunities are closing for you because people can't trust you, because you can't ever be on time, or you don't follow through on your commitments. Uh, opportunities are not closing because God is mad at you. It's because you can't be on time. It's because you can't follow through with what you say you're going to do. This whole concept of the cause and effect of sin can be difficult for us to grasp because we live in a time and culture where absolutes are absolutely not tolerated. Saying something is absolutely sinful is absolutely not tolerated. Saying something is absolutely true is absolutely not tolerated in our time and culture. Saying that scripture says it, therefore I believe it, is not tolerated. Many, many people believe that as long as you're seeking a higher power, we're all in the same boat together. You can pick and choose what you want to believe from any faith you want. And as long as you're seeking that higher power, as long as you're seeking that, that, that positive energy, we're all in the same boat together. Many people believe that whatever feels right to you is the truth. And truth can only be grasped by the individual. Nobody else can tell you that something is absolutely 
true. And sadly, this philosophical ideology has crept into the church. Sadly, even people who consider themselves to be followers of Jesus pick and choose what they want to live by in the scriptures. It's just the truth. I, I see it all the time. We pick things out and we say, uh, I, I'll live by that. And, and we look at other things that are a little bit difficult or controversial, and, and we won't live by those things. As long as there's not a cost involved, they'll follow. But as soon as there's a cost involved, they bail on that part of the scriptures. Many who claim to be Christ followers are seekers of their own pleasure just as much as non-Christ followers. Uh, they're just as worldly. Their values are no different from non-Christ followers. They spend their money the same way. They dress the same way. They talk the same way the world does. And we wonder why the church has lost its power. It's because we look, act, talk, speak no different than the world. And that is why the church has lost its influence and its power. It's not because we need to be more relatable. It's because we need to be more spirit-filled. It's not because we need to compromise so we can relate to the world. No, it's because we need to be set apart and we need to be different and we need to be showing Jesus to the world. That is where the power is. It, it's The power is in the Spirit and the Spirit sets us apart and forms and shapes and molds us uh, in, into Christ-like image bearers. Listen to what Jesus himself says in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Very simple. It's not complex. It's not this deep theological truth. It's simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I say. Follow my teaching. And that is how you show the world that you love me. I want to ask you, I want you to ask yourself, the question today, is there an area or areas of my life where I am being disobedient to the Father? Is there any area of my life where I am picking and choosing to obey or not obey the Scriptures? What are my motives for what I'm doing? Is there any evil intent behind my words or actions? Is selfishness or greed guiding my decisions? Am I walking in any sort of secret sin that I'm hiding from people because I'm afraid of what others will think if I tell them what I'm really going through, if I tell them what I'm really struggling with, if I tell them what I've been doing, what are they going to think about me? And so we hide that sin, and it's the secret sin that's eating away at us. There's been articles and stories coming out that since this pandemic, substance abuse and, and uh, uh, po uh, pornography uh, searching for pornography sites have been skyrocketing. These are escapes and temporary comforts for people during times of discouragement and depression. If you're struggling with substance abuse right now, if you're struggling with a porn addiction, you need to first confess to God and you need to let someone know. You need to ask someone to pray for you. You need to ask someone to hold you accountable. You need to ask somebody to walk with you in this journey. That's what the community of, of, of believers called the church. That's the purpose of the church, that we walk with one another through our valleys, through our darkest valleys, and through our struggles. Pastor, you're preaching to the choir here. Couldn't you have picked something a little more advanced 
to talk about? Well, I've seen a lot in the choir, okay? I've seen affairs in the choir. I've seen every sexual sin under the sun in the choir. I've seen reputation assassination in the choir. I've seen hatred and murderous thoughts in the choir. I've seen addiction to drugs and alcohol and pornography and all sorts of other things in the choir. I've seen fear to step out and take a risk that God is asking you to take from people in the choir. I've seen greed in the choir. So I think we need some preaching to the choir. Amen? But you want to hear some good news, though? If you are living in disobedience to the Father today, I know someone who was fully obedient to the Father in order to set you and I free from our disobedience. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're running from God today and you feel like Jonah and you're closed up in the belly of the whale, repent and turn to the one who was fully obedient, even death on a cross for you. If you're watching today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you into the family of Christ where you can find freedom, hope, and peace, and unconditional love that you're not going to find anywhere. You're not going to find it at the club. You're not going to find it in sex. You're not going to find it in drugs. You're not going to find it in, in any other relationships. There is a peace. There is a comfort. There is a freedom that you will only find as you surrender your heart to Jesus and develop a relationship and a friendship with him. If you're serving God but have an area or areas of your life that you are walking in disobedience in and you feel barren and empty today, I want to tell you that there is freedom through confessing your sins and turning away from them. You see, church, repentance isn't just, uh, it, it's not just words. It's not just, uh, it's not just saying, Father, forgive me with the same intention to sin again. Repentance literally means that you're walking this way and you turn and you're going in another direction because you have found that the direction you're going in is only destruction and disaster and you don't want to go in that direction anymore. So repentance is a turning and walking the other way towards what God wants you to do. And if you are struggling today in an area of disobedience, I want you to know that there is freedom for you. There is breakthrough for you. There is light at the end of the tunnel for you. There is freedom from porn addiction. There is freedom from alcohol addiction. There is freedom from, from uh, prescription medications. There is freedom from eating disorders. There is freedom from depression and anxiety. There, there is freedom from sexual sin or sexual addiction. You, there is freedom from anything under the sun, any sort of escape that you are struggling with today. There is freedom in Jesus for you. 
no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling, no matter what kind of prison you find yourself in today, I want you to know in Jesus, there is freedom for you. Seek the one who was fully obedient to set you free from the sinful disobedience that you find yourself in today. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.